Is there anybody in here that's 28 years old? Put your hand down. Y'all are liars. Anybody in here that's truly 28 years old? Anybody? Raise your hand. Do I have a 20? Do I have a 27? 27. Okay. So Caleb over here. Stand up for a minute, big Caleb. Okay. So here's big Caleb right here. Do you know that you weren't born when I started pastoring this church? That's how long it's been. Just want to get y'all into perspective there. When you start thinking about it. And so we thank y'all for pastor's appreciation for everything you did for us, uh, for the, the gifts and the blessings and the, the sweet cards and stuff uh, that you gave us. You know, because as pastoring the church, I want to be on the cutting edge. I want to I keep, I'm not getting, this morning I'm as fired up as I was when I was first here at 28 years ago. I'm, I, 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 I'm telling you, I'm not slacking off. I'm not looking to retire. I'm going out. I want to drop dead in the pulpit. And some people may say, amen. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I'm telling you, I want to, I want to, until I don't have the message, until I'm not hearing the Holy Ghost, then, you know, y'all need to get me out of here. But my point is, is I want to continue to deliver a, a, a fiery message to y'all every Sunday, Wednesday, keep y'all on the edge of what's going on in the world. That's my heart's desire. My wife and I, our heart's desire is that. And so uh, thank y'all for, for just all your, 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 your love. Because it, it, we get discouraged, too. <laughs> There's days I wake up and say, oh, God, I'm the pastor of the church. And so anyway, so I want to share something with you this morning. And, and uh, because I feel, like, I feel like, you know, we're two weeks away from the elections and everybody's sitting on the edge of their seats waiting for the elections and to see what's going to happen. I've already told you all this through previous messages. I believe America sits on the precipice of either becoming a, we are a sheep nation right now, but becoming a goat nation. I believe that if we uh, uh, go in the direction that, that the, the, the left wants us to go, I believe that America is going to get off course. We're going to get sidetracked. The train's going to crash. We're going to have a very, very, very hard time. So I, I don't know. I have no prophetic word this morning to tell you, you know, yea, hey, thus saith the Lord, this is what's going to happen. But I can just tell you who God is this morning. I, 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 I've i been praying and praying and praying and praying about this. This is just where my focus has been. Lord, where do we want to go with the church? What, do you want, what are we doing? Am I on the right track? Speak to me. Show me. To help me get on this thing because I don't want to get off. I don't want to get caught up in the hoopla, the you know, the anger or the whatever, and just get off. I mean, good gosh, I'm not going to, man, I, I got to stand before Jesus, give him an account for what we've done and all of y'all's lives. And I certainly don't want to say, oh, Lord, sorry, I missed that one. You know, let everybody astray in 2021. You know, I mean, I don't want to do that. And so I've just been asking the Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And so I was, I was doing the old man thing. I was taking a nap the other day. <laughs> And I woke up from the nap, and you know, if you, uh, I, I, I don't usually wake up from a nap and just like fired up, ready to go. It takes me just a little bit to catch my brain up. And I guess that in that moment, that's when the Holy Ghost can speak to me because I'm not thinking about anything. And I woke up from the nap and just boom, the Holy Ghost is this. What I want you to share for the next two weeks. I want you to share on this, this deal and go to here. And he started giving me scriptures, and then he started, you know, sharing, showing things to me. So I know I'm on, I'm on right, but I was like, hey, what's going to happen? And it's nothing. I was like, eh. So anyway, what I want you to understand is, no matter what happens in two weeks, God is still God. It's the title of this message today. God is still God. He is still God. 
No matter what goes on, no matter who the president is, no matter what's going to take place, God is still God and he is still your God and he is still a faithful God and he is not going to alter his love for you his, or any change for you. Yes, things may be different. Yes, things may have to change uh, in, 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 in the way we do things, but I'm telling you, God is still God. Amen. So everybody say God's still God. Now, I've been, I've been trying to look past America. Because you've got to understand something that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not just in America. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is all over the world, right? The gospel message. It's a worldwide church. It's not just what's going on here. There are people right now in China. Uh, well, I don't know what the time difference went over, but there's people in China having to, you know, meet in underground churches to hide. And, and, and in some countries, this is, the, this is the requirement. I've always laughed at this. I thought, I wonder how many people would show up in church. Is the pastor cannot tell where the church is going to meet because if he finds out or they get him, they tortured out of him, whatever, they'll find all the believers. And so you have to pray. And the pastor goes to the, this location and you have to pray and hear from the Holy Ghost where church is to go to church. There's nothing put out. There's no text goes out. You have to get the text from heaven to know where to go show up in church. Now, you know, that, that going to cause you to be a little, a little close and a little more sensitive to God than normal. <laughs> or you're going to look pretty silly. You show up. Oh, gosh, I guess I missed God. Yeah, I wasn't here. You know, nobody's there. Did I have church? Yeah, we met. Didn't you, you didn't get the message? You know, mm, what are you going to say? You know, oh, I'm sorry. I missed God. I don't know. But anyway, my point is, is that, you know, the American church, we've been we've been just, just fat, and happy and spoiled like little kids for so long. And the American church has done two things. Part of the American church, they went what I'm going to call seeker friendly. They went over here and they became seeker friendly where they began to organize churches based upon how much attendance you could get and how much offerings you could get in and how well you could do with the people. They, they, they did all the, the, the dog and pony shows to draw in all the youth and all the kids and do all this kind of stuff like this. And they arranged and had churches in that way. And then there was the charismatic movement, which went over to the other side. And the, when they got on the other side, what they did is they wanted everything to be an experience. You're going to come to church. You're going to experience this presence of God. You're going to, you know, it's all about, it's all about, you know, um, a demonstration of the spirit, but not necessarily a heart change. It's just somebody got up and ran. Somebody got holy laughter. Somebody fell on the floor. Somebody, you know, got a tongue. Somebody got an interpretation, but there was really no heart change in a lot of that over on the far side. So that left a gap. And in this gap right here in the middle of it, there was no anything really going on. And so what happened was, is the liberal people began to come in and say, okay, well, we'll make our own religion. And so they brought in their own religion, which being whatever they wanted to do, they began to condemn anything that, that any other church would preach. They began to say, oh, you can't preach on this topic because that's hate speech. You can't preach on that topic because that's this. And they began to work and they began to work in our government to arrange everything to get things in like Roe versus Wade and different things like that, same-sex marriage, same thing that are going on, all this stuff, got all this stuff going in. And they just basically put before us and they began to tell the church what was correct morality. And this is where we find ourselves today. We find ourselves sitting on the edge of a precipice and if it goes left, well then you're gonna have, to, you're gonna have people telling you what is right, not 
Black is black and white is white. Hell is hot and sin ain't right. God is holy and Christ is coming and righteousness will prevail. That the word of God was infallible. Amen? It's what we believe. You can't change. I don't care what translation you use. The word of God is the infallible word of God. It is not going to change. You cannot write it out. You can't just come up and say, yes, well, you know, I know the Bible says this, but we're going to take the main points of love and faith and this, but the other points we're not going to take because, you know, the, this was written in an old time and, you know, God, and, and, and so, you know, things have changed and uh, cultures changed. And so, you know, we're going to add these other things in and do these other things. You can't do that. The Bible's the Bible. If you change one piece of it, none of it's any good. Because just like, they want to change one piece. Well, then if, what if I want to change? Well, salvation is not through grace and faith in Jesus. Salvation is through works. So, you know, you got to have $100,000 before you can get in the kingdom. If I could sell enough people on that, well, then all of a sudden I've got a new doctrine. Well, it's no different. Because if you change and alter one piece of the word of God, well, then you have nothing to stand on. And, you know, praise God here at Living Waters Church. I mean, we've We've gone through the ups and downs and this and that and the other over, over the, you know, 20, well, we're just finished 27 years of pastoring, started our 28th year. And I can admit, you know, I've seen us, you know, the church, we've, we've, we've done a little bit. We've always been based on the word of God. I've never, I've never compromised the word in all these years, and I'm not going to compromise the word. I told y'all last week, the doors of the church are going to stay open. We're going to keep preaching the word of God, no matter what happens, no matter what comes. We're going to stand here and we're going to keep as a pillar Amen. Of preaching. We're going to continue to do it. Now, of course, I can't in, in, in the hour plus I got you here that I'm preaching to you. Uh, I, I can't cover every doctrine, every, 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 every deal. I've got to follow the Holy Ghost and preach to you, whatever. But I'm telling you what, we're not moving off of it. Amen. We're going to stand strong. And so I want to show you something here from the, from the word out of the book of it's basically out of the book of Jeremiah, okay? But I, I'm not going to go through all of Jeremiah because if I do, I have to spend too much time and I got to get home. But if you go back and you read the book of Jeremiah and you look at the, just the very first chapter, Jeremiah talks about who he was the prophet in. He was a prophet called in the land of Israel at the time, and he was a prophet under King Josiah. Now, King Josiah had a revival, a little temporary revival in Israel that, that the people turned back to God and things were great. Well, Jeremiah got to see that. But then Josiah's son came in to be king, and things went south. And then the next thing you know, Nebuchadnezzar's knocking on the door of Jerusalem, about to take the whole country, the, the city over. And Jeremiah's also the prophet then. So he got to prophesy in the great days, but then he also got to prophesy in the day when they looked over the wall of Jerusalem and said, uh-oh, we're in trouble. Okay? Now, there was three thoughts in the city of Jerusalem at that time. Okay? One thought was the king was saying, uh, it's going to be like the days of Hezekiah. Yes, the Assyrian army is coming up, but God is going to triumph from us. Stand on the walls, boys. Fight, fight, fight. Then there was another group that looked out over the walls and said, oof, this is looking pretty bad. And I don't think this is going to happen. I think we need to escape. I think we need to sneak out of the city and we need to escape and we'll flee to Egypt. And then there was Jeremiah who was prophesying the word of God, which was, Yea, hey, thus saith the Lord, you wicked people, 
I'm going to destroy this city. I'm going to put it down. You're going to be led captive out to Babylon. You're going to go into captivities. It would be better not to fight. It would be better to come off the walls. It would be better to open up the gates and say we surrender and go as captive to Babylon. Jeremiah 29, great chapter. Everybody likes that one part that says, oh, behold, I have the future and hope and all things are going to be good. They like that part, but go read up a few verses. He says, uh, go ahead and go captive to, the, to, to Babylon. Seek the peace of the city and pray for it. He said for them to pray for Babylon. Now, don't you know that was just like. <laughs> and he says, and in it you'll find peace. I'll be with you. I'll bless you. And 70 years later, I'll bring you back. So you're 50 when you get carried off to Babylon. And you're like looking at the city saying, I'm never going to get to see it again. I'm going to die before I get back, just from sheer years, right? If there was a child in the group, you could look at the child and say, you may make it back. But more than likely, it was the next generation that was coming back. All right? And God blessed them, and they prospered in Babylon. That's where you get Daniel. The book of Daniel fits right in there. That's where you get the book of Daniel, when Daniel becomes the, the, the third most powerful person in all of Babylon. What was he? He was a Jewish captive. So they succeeded. The Jewish people succeeded there. Esther, all these things, the, 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 the Jewish influence there. Anyway, but nobody wanted to listen to Jeremiah. The king was in fury. He says, shut up. What you're doing is you're going to cause everybody to get scared. Throw him in the dungeon. Put him in the dungeon. Down the deepest part, the deepest hole. Because nobody wanted to listen to him. But he had the word of God. So there's a lot of people out there right now. You can go over the internet. You can go through it. And, and I'm telling you, you can find everybody saying something different about what's going to happen in America right now. You've got the ones over here that it's it's. The start of the tribulation, it's the hellfire, it's the, the persecution, it's the going to be the worst days you've ever seen, you know, breathe today because it's the end of it. By January, you're dead meat, man. Then you got the others over here saying nothing's going to change, everything's okay, we're just going to, you know, and then, and then you got me here this morning. <laughs> All right? So now turn to your Bibles to the book of Lamentations, which is the book right after Jeremiah, it's Jeremiah crying over the city. It's what lamentations. He's lamenting. He's crying over the city. What's happened? Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 21. And this is what the Lord spoke to me to tell y'all. Jeremiah 3, 21 says, This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. Through the Lord, though the Lord's mercies are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now, in the ESV version, it reads like this, a little bit different. It says, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hoped. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It says it uses the word steadfast love. And so I looked up the word in the Hebrew to understand what it meant because I didn't want to be saying something that wasn't right. I wanted to understand why there was two different translations. I mean, I don't know that I use the word steadfast. And just my common daily talk, I don't, I mean, it's not, I don't drive a nail on a board and say, it looks steadfast. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the only thing I could think to use it with. I mean, you know, I don't say to my wife, my steadfast love for you is always continual. I would not just use that verbiage. Maybe it sounds good, but she would know I was lying or made something up. <laughs> or she would say to me, what did you do? So if I say, I love you, sweetie, well, then I get away with that. She knows it's from the heart and whatever, right? But if I use steadfast, so I don't use that word steadfast very much. So I was wanting to look it up. And so I looked it up, and it means um, <clears throat> compassion. It means tender love, great tender love, great tender love and mercy, pity. But there's also something very interesting about the word. It has to do, and they use it as the womb of a woman. And it would mean, by extension, it means to cherish and love the fetus that's within you. So to say steadfast love in the Hebrew, they're saying it's like a woman loving her child. It's not birthed yet. It's not out where she can hold it yet, but it's growing on the inside of her, and she's, she's, she's loving that fetus within her, okay? So it means to love deeply, again, to have compassion, to be compassionate, have tender affection. That's what it means when, when he says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I'm here today to tell you on everyone out there watching and listening, listen to me. No matter what happens in two weeks, God's steadfast love for you is not going to change. If you are in the kingdom of God right now, if Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life, if you have a personal relationship with him, it's not going to cease. The grace of God towards you is not going to cease. Jeremiah is looking at the whole city being destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and all the things and the horror going on. And he says, this is why my soul has hope. Not because of what I see going on. Not because of the, of, 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 you know, there's a glory cloud up here. No, not because of that, but because I know God and God's steadfast love is not going to change towards me. No matter where I'm at, whether I'm in the prison in Jerusalem whether I'm out on the streets prophesying in Jerusalem or whether I've been carried captive to Babylon, it isn't going to make any difference. God's steadfast love to me is not going to change. Amen. Now, here's what's going to happen, I believe. I believe that there's a lot of Christians, and, 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 and I heard this term. I, I wish I came up with it, but it, it, I, wish I, heard, I wish I had come up with it because it's very smart. There's believers and there's make-believers. I'd never heard that term before, and I heard it, and I was like, ah! 
There's believers and there's make-believers. In other words, there's true believers out there that love Jesus with all their heart, that are like you folks that are seeking God, that are hungry for God, that are hearing the Holy Spirit, that are being directed by God, that are, that are every day their life depends on their relationship with their Savior and knowing what the Word of God says. But then there's make-believers. In other words, their moral, their moral issues say, yes, I agree with y'all, but I don't really want to get in a, you know, I don't want to get in a fight. I don't want to I don't really want to argue with anybody. I don't really want to push this too much. I'm just, you know, I want to, I, yes, I'd like to go to heaven, uh, but, you know, uh, 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 you know, I mean, I really don't want to get my hands dirty. Are you all with me? In other words, they say they're believers, but they're really not sold out enough that they're going to fight that the word of God's true. And just to look at somebody and say, look, I'm sorry uh, that we're in, dis- we're in disagreement, but I'm not changing. I know the Bible's true. I've read it in here. I know what it says. I'm not making a misinterpretation here. It, it, it says it right here, and so I'm standing on it because I believe God's word's true. And if it makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry, but I'm standing. A make-believer won't do that. A make-believer will, will, you know, go ahead and yield and tippy-toe around and, you know, not really want to get into it. So there's a lot of Christians out there that are make-believers, all right? And they're going to be shaken to the core of their foundation because they have no foundation to stand on. The only foundation, folks, listen to me, I am so happy. I told you all this the other day. It sounds terrible, but it's just the truth. I had an opportunity to lie. And it was a good opportunity because I was afraid that if I, did, if I told the truth, I was going to get in trouble. And, and I talked to the Lord about it. I said, I could just lie. So I told the Lord, I mean, you got to, you know, I mean, I got a good relationship with him and I'm just telling the truth. And so I said, I could lie and this might go away. But if I tell the truth, I might get in trouble. And so then the Lord just said to me, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, I got to tell the truth. And he's like, that would be best. And so I told the truth. I just told the truth and what it let the chips fall with me. If it got if I got in trouble, I got in trouble. I didn't care what happened. I didn't care if it cost me money. I didn't care what it, what, what went on. I just gonna tell the truth and I told the truth. And you know, God worked everything out. As a matter of fact, I got so blessed in the situation, it was unreal. And uh, but my fear was, because see, I was thinking like the world. That moment came to me and I was thinking like the world, oh, I could just maybe mm, just not tell the truth or just, you know, kind of uh, a little bit and you know, just act like I didn't see what well, no, you know. Look over there and try to get, you know, the, the attention somewhere else. And, but the truth of the matter is, you know, I had to tell the truth. And when I told the truth, I got blessed. But there's a lot of, of them out there in the world that they're not, they don't, they're not based on the truth. And it felt so good to just be in righteousness. I just knew I was righteous. I just knew I was doing the right thing. And so, therefore, how could I really get in trouble? Because the only one that made any difference was God. Hello? Well, when you're standing on the Word of God, it gives me such confidence to stand up here today and to say, look, folks, I don't know. I just know what it says, and I've told you and showed you over all these years. And so we just stand on the Word and let the chips fall. Hello? It's a good feeling because I said, man, it's easy. They're making it so easy for me. Most of you all probably saw the article. The Pope came out and said uh, this week that that he was going to go with... uh, same-sex marriages and going to go ahead and institute that in the Catholic Church and whatever. And I'm like, how can you do that? How, 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 can, you, how, can, you, how can you just, what did, what did he get it? The Pope Bible don't read like my Bible? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you get around it. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand it. So he's gotten some opposition from other uh, 
priests and bishops and, you know, archbishops and stuff in the Catholic Church, and he's going to get some opposition with it because there are some people that do love Jesus. And, but my point is, it's, it's getting really obvious, right? And so it makes it really easy. So like, that's a no-brainer. It's like I told you, if y'all going to sit around and wanna, want me to argue about how much water does it take to baptize a person, you know what I mean? Like, come on, man, I don't want to even mess with that, right? Depends on what part of Texas you're in. It's getting so dry around here, man. We're going to start using a you know, wet handkerchief here before long. So my point is, is that Jeremiah was prophesying something and it didn't seem like it was, a, it was right because you, 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 would, you would come up there and you could bound him and sitting on the walls and God, you delivered Hezekiah and you've delivered the other kings and God, why don't you just come down and just get rid of this mean, ugly army? But God had a plan because God's still God. And I'm telling you, God is still God and he is steadfast love for you. He's not breaking your covenant that you have with Jesus. It's not altered. Listen to me. We're not entering into on, on, on uh, November 3rd when, when we're not entering into the tribulation. I can promise you that we're not there yet. Okay. And so I'm just telling you, the dispensation of the age of grace is still out there. It's still going. It's still for you and I. The covenants and promises of God are still there. But what God's looking for is an army to rise up of his believers that will stand fast and say, this is the word of God. I may not understand everything. I may not be able to explain it to you real well, but I'm telling you, this is what the word says, and I believe it. And, and, and begin to, to just say, this is what's, what, I don't know. I don't know what, you know, I mean, I, lately I've said, I don't know a lot because I don't know what's, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand this, but I just know God. And he told me to tell y'all this morning, his steadfast love for you is not changing. His love and his covenants and his promises to you are not changing. If you're in Christ, Amen. if you're not in Christ, folks get saved, get your family saved now. I have never felt so strong and stirring and burning on the inside of me about evangelism, the pure old raw evangelism that as I do right now. I, I've just been opening up doors. I'm so excited that this, this week, Friday, we were in the courts. It looks like we're getting all the paperwork is going to be straight for this land in Kenya. We're going to be putting that forth, be feeding a thousand children uh, a day over there evangelizing them, ministering to them, getting them to go home and minister to their parents. And I believe that church is going to explode and we're going to change the slums of Nokuru because of this work. I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting with the churches in Mexico. I'm saying, what do, we, what do you need? What finances do you need to have revivals down there? What do you, what do, you need to, 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 to do this? We've got to reach out. We've got to get people saved. We've got to get people saved. Right now, I believe with all of my heart, you need to be ministering to your family. You need to be talking to your family. You don't want to even make believers in your families. You want believers in your families. Okay? But let me show you another scripture. Psalms 100, verse 1. Psalms 100, verse 1. Man, I'm already running out of time and I hadn't even got started. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing and know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. This is a, this is a, a, uh, a, not a map. This is not a diagram. This is a, this is a, come on, help me here, somebody. Uh, this is a, a plan. 
This is a battle plan for your life right now. What are you going to do? You're going to make a shout, you're going to make a shout, a joyful shout to the Lord. In other words, you're going to be a person who's right now not saying, oh, God, what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen? You're going to say, hey, man, God's in control and I'm a Christian. Woo! I'm in the best place in the world. I'm going to heaven. Are you with me? That's what you got to do. You got to be making a joyful shout to the Lord. You got to be a person who every day when you wake up, man, it don't matter. You know, like I, 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 I heard a, uh, my, my niece put out a deal the other day and she said, I guess I'm getting old because now I'm waking up and something hurts and I don't know why it hurts. Yeah. You got to get up in the morning and just go push through the, through the pain and through the drudgery or whatever's going on and just go out there and say every day, just have a shout to the Lord. Say, Lord, man, I am just so thankful for you. I am so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad my family's saved. I'm so glad my husband's saved. I'm so glad my wife's saved. I'm so glad my children are saved. I'm just glad today, Lord, I'm with you. I'm in the kingdom. I'm part of the kingdom. I don't know what's going down. I don't know how it's going to go. Woo! I'm glad I'm on the right side. I'm with you. That needs to be in your mouth every day. That needs to be a part of your life every day. Listen to me, folks. No longer can we be just silent Christians. The silent majority is what got us into trouble because the silent majority was not silent. I mean, they were silent. They did nothing. All right. We have to be the loud majority. Okay, we have to be the majority. You want to know what to do every day? You can no longer be singing, saying little lay me down to sleep prayers. Yeah, I talk to God every night before I go to bed, and now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I mean, that was a sweet prayer when you're five. But I'm telling you what, now you need to get out. You need to be praying. You need to be walking around confessing the word of God. Now you need to be reading your Bible. You need to be going through the plan. You need to get a revelation this week out of Luke 15. You need to read the prodigal son. I got a revelation. Preach it Wednesday night out of the prodigal sons. I'm I, 28 years. I guarantee you I got 28 revelations out of, uh, out of the prodigal son, and I'll have 29. I have 30 every time I read that that chapter, I'm ignited. But you need to know, just like the prodigal son, the father was looking for him to come down the road. And as soon as he turned around and came back, God was there to meet him. And I'm telling you, God's here to meet you. It's time you say, well, listen, I don't know about healing. You need to find out about healing. You need to read every healing scripture in the Bible and you need to get coming off your lips. You say, well, I'm, you know, I, it's not right. I'm, I'm I, I, you know, so-and-so did something ugly to me years ago. And I just tell you, this is not right. And I just can't hurt to get over that. You need to get over it. You need to repent. You need to be in a place in your life right now that you're so pure. You're so pure, man. When Jesus looks at you, he's just seeing himself. You say, well, how's that going to happen? Well, you're going to keep yourself under the blood of Jesus. You're going to get yourself all repented up. Every day, everything. You got to ask you, you got to, every day you got to go through a process. You got to go through your own freedom prayer process of asking God, is there something I need to be repenting about? Is something I need to change? Something that needs to go on in life? Have I been, my attitude been wrong? Have I been doing this? Lord, change me. Help me. Show me. Do me what I need to do. He said, well, I'm busy. No, you better get time. You better start making it. You husbands, you better start taking charge of your households and you better start standing up and praying over your family and being the man of God of your house. Quit letting your wife do it. That's women's work. Let them take care of it. We're men. We go out. We hunt. We kill. We eat. We build them fire. You better quit doing that. You better get in there and you better be the one praying. You better be the one leading the prayer. You better be the one reading the word saying, man, do you know what this says, woman? Look at this right here. Woo! That's pushing it. You're making a joyful shout with gladness. You're going to come before his presence with singing. We've got to have church. Folks, listen to me. We've got to change the, the mindset of church. 
to where when you come walking in the doors of the church, you're not coming in here to the church to be a spectator. You're coming into the church to be a participator. You're coming into the church to to uh, you're coming before his presence with singing. You're coming in here to see God. What do you want me to do? I just come to I believe, you know how on this electric car deal, I never have really thought this is, you know, any good myself. But, you know, I've, I've seen now a few places that are like there's the charging stations. And you go in there and they just plug the car and it charges the battery. This The church needs to be a charging station. You come in here, you get charged up in the presence of God. But it also needs to be a place where you're participating. It needs to be a place where you're talking to heaven, where you're interceding into the heavenlies and destroying principalities and powers. Where we're, we're in here sitting at our 50 cows shooting down devils. Not just coming into church and sitting here and saying, Lord, I love you. I just feel so terrible. I want somebody to help me. Jesus. Now, you're going to have a bad day, and you're going to need some help, and that's what, what, what the church is for. But I'm just saying, we've got to get past that. We've got to get on the cutting edge. If you were in, a, if you were in a, 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 an elite, uh, you know, like Delta Squad or, you know, uh, you know Rangers or, 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 you know, some elite fighting group, and you got there that morning because you knew you had a mission to go to, and you were all like... Okay, we're going to go, you know, we got to do this. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be close and we got to go, you know, get in there. We're going to do everything right. And you, and you looked around at your troops and your troops were like, yeah, well, you know, mm. sometimes we make it, sometimes we don't. <laughs> did you clean your gun? Yeah, I think a couple of weeks ago I did, you know. You'd be saying, uh, boys, we're about to get in the heat of battle and, and your gun's not clean. Well, I believe as Christians, we're in the middle of the heat of battle and our guns need to be clean. Our bayonets need to be sharp. You need to be practicing on your ninja skills. Okay? We need to, as a church, we've got to come up to that place to where when God wants to use us, he can use us. Because you've got to understand something. You know, we're not 10,000 members here. But that doesn't mean that God still isn't doing with us what he's doing in a big church or what he's doing anywhere else. And it still doesn't mean that God didn't call us to affect our area for him. Whether it, And it's not just utopia because there's too many of y'all from Lakey and Sabinow and you know Bandera and Vanderpool and the whole area. There's more than just us. It's all the area around here to affect this whole uh, uh, counties around us with the gospel. So there's a lot of work to be done. But a small group that works efficiently can accomplish a lot. Amen. You don't have to be a huge army to get something done. All right. But we need to make a joyful. We're coming to his presence singing, knowing that the Lord, he is God. So see, folks, you've got to get this so rooted in on the inside of you. You've got to quit the debating on the inside of you. All right. I mean. I couldn't even watch the debate the other night. I got to the first question and pushed record and shut it off and hadn't gone back to it. I got so irritated. This is the first question. And I said, man, that's the first one. That should have been the easy one. And I'm already so mad, man, by the time I, I'll never get to sleep tonight. I had to go find some Pepto-Bismol or something to calm me down. You know I mean? This is just ridiculous. And so my, my point is, is that you can't get so caught up in everything going on that you can't be effective for Jesus. You just got to have it rooted on the inside of you. Man, God is God. God is still God. He, he's in charge. I'm, I work for him. We're going to be victorious. Everything's going to be okay. We're going to go forward. I don't know. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come nigh me. 
That's a lot of people. That means you went out to battle with 10,000 people and they all got killed and you were the only one standing. Can you imagine standing in a field of 10,000 dead bodies? And I'm not trying to be uncaring here, but I know what I believe and I'm going to stand on what I believe. And if you don't and you end up falling, I really can't feel sorry for you because 10,000 were going to fall up my side. You should have listened and gone on. The next part of this Psalms 100 says, he who has, he, 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 it is he who made us and not we ourselves. Folks, we're not doing this for us. We're doing this for him. We're advancing his kingdom on this earth, not our kingdom. And I believe a lot of Christians are going to fall there because they want to advance their kingdom. I believe we got into too much experiential things trying to get God just to do what we wanted him to do for us so that we could be happier or prosper more or whatever. And we tried to do it all like that rather than just coming to know him and saying, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Doesn't make any difference. I got a hole in the bottom of my shoe or what? I'll go. I'll do it. You tell me. You want me to pack up and move? You want me to drive three hours to church? You want me to do whatever? I'll do whatever, Lord. I'm your servant. I'll do whatever I got to do. You see, folks, he's God. He made us, not we ourselves. And we got to remember that because that's a powerful thing because all of a sudden, wait a minute, if he made you then, and you've given your life to him, well, then you belong to him within the person taking care of you. He owns you. He's taking care of what's his. So you don't have to come up with it because it's not about your strength and your ability. It's not by your power or your might, but it's by his spirit. So what's going to take place in the days ahead? God's spirit's going to move. Why? Because he's going to take care of what's his. God's not going to forsake you. His steadfast love just stretches out towards you. He made you. He's got a plan for the church. God is not going to sit up in heaven right now and just say, well, that's it. Just, I don't know. I tried to these stupid people. Just send the meteor. Right? He's not going to do that. Folks, listen to me. God is not going to forsake you. Oh, I, I could see where things could go south in the sense of crazy laws and whatever like that. We're having to I could I could come up with all kinds of wild things. I, I'm a big dreamer and I can come up with some wild things that could happen. But I want to tell you what God's not going to forsake us. Did God the church, the churches around the world that are being persecuted, they have no free speech that have no constitution to stand behind. That are that are you know in underground places. How did they? Did God forsake them because they didn't get to have a big church with a big steeple and open the door and see all the peoples? <laughs> are they not as good of a church because they're under persecution? Absolutely not. If there's five people in an underground church right now met today, God is pleased about that and is excited about advancing His kingdom and then all of His power and His glory is right there for them. See, we've got to get our concepts out of our, our, our minds, these preconceived concepts and these ways that we've set everything up and think that this is the way church is done. We've got to come into this understanding that, man, the church is the body of Christ and it's you. Hallelujah. This is our recharge center. This is our hospital. This is where people come in to get touched and blessed and taught and go out there. But it's you out there in the field. Amen. Speaking to the people, talking to the people, giving them an encouragement, telling them about Jesus. Amen. That's you. So it's not us. I heard about a, a, a person the other day who's a 
I, I'm pretty sure I, I didn't read all the story in depth, but it was like he, he was a billionaire and got saved, gave his heart to Jesus and determined he was going to get rid of his billion dollars. And he spent a lifetime giving to charities and just giving all of his money away. And the other day he was so happy because he just cleaned out. Good, good problem to have, right? So my point is, how do you know? I mean, folks, God is going to use you to advance his kingdom wherever you are. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. It's his pasture, not our pasture. We're his sheep. He's the shepherd. So then we're going to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We're going to enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. Amen. That's our battle plan. You know, you can't, you can't be always like, oh man, I, we're coming to church this morning. I hope Pastor Robert's got something good. I hope Miss Laura's really singing some good songs. Cause man, I need something. No, it's like you're coming to church and say, hey man, who's around me? Who am I going to pray for? Whose hand am I going to hold this day? Who, whose hand am I going to hold today and pray for that God's going to do a miracle in their life? Who am I going to get to see us and, and just smile at and say, hey, how are you today? Or who are you going to show me, Lord, that I just need to take the lunch? Or who, what are you going to show me? That's the way we should be approaching church. That's the way we should be approaching every day of our life, but more especially on the day of church. Go to Joshua 1.9. Joshua 1.9. Here's some good words to you this morning. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. How's that? The Lord is with you wherever you go. I'm not ready to preach this message, but I'm just going to give this little snippet because I've been studying about during the Revolutionary Army in 1776 and what went on and, and how there was a regiment called the Black Robe Regiment, which were the pastors of the day. And, and, and that had an influence over everything that went on in the Continental Army and, 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 and all, the, all that was done. There was this group of pastors from various churches, various denominational churches and whatever, all these guys that, that, that were great influencers. And I was been trying to study and see what was influencing them then. What was God speaking to them? What was, you know, setting off on the inside of them? And, and there was this one guy... Uh, one pastor, his name was John Muhlenberg. And, uh, you know, you may have read this before. Uh, he, he goes to the pulpit with his black robe on on a Sunday morning. He begins to preach the gospel. He begins to tell everybody what's going on. He begins to tell everybody the atrocities that had taken place and what had gone on like that. And then in a minute he steps back and, and he takes off his robe. And underneath he has a Continental uh, officer's uniform on. And he picks up his gun and says, we're going to battle, men." Who's with me? And the congregation gets up and they leave. They walk out of church and they go bound to fight the battle of Lexington. So I got to thinking about that. I just was trying to just picture that. You went to church. You know things are kind of bad. <laughs> you know the redcoats are in town. You know things are going on. You know there's a skirmish about anything. Around. You go to church and you're sitting there. And then all of a sudden the pastor says, who's with me? And he's got his gun and he goes out and you know your life could end in a moment. That's dedication, folks. That's where he goes out and he stands and looks at the British 
they tell them to lay down their arms and they say, we have no sovereign but God. We, have, we bow our knee to none but Jesus Christ. And then he tells his, his men, don't fire the first shot, but when the first shot's fired, let them have it. Folks, you're talking about laying your life on the line for what you believe. Are you willing to lay your life on the line right now for what you believe? Are you still willing right now to stand up and say, if it costs me my life, I still believe the word of God's true. Yes, Lord. I'm not backing up Hallelujah. on Jesus. I'm going to teach my children, my grandchildren. They're going to be just like me. Is that, is that the attitude? Is that your heart? Y'all following me? I believe these are the days we're into, but I believe what happens is the moment that's settled in your heart, then the glory of God's going to show up. But the glory is not going to show up until our hearts are right. That's where we're at. I want to give you one more scripture and then I want to close. Isaiah 41.10. Another good one just to put in there. Right on your freezer. Fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's where we're at, church. That's where we're at. Amen? Amen. So what I want you to do is I want you just to put your Bibles up. I didn't get halfway through with this, but we'll take it up next week. I don't want you to have any fear. The only thing that you've got to answer and ask yourself is, where is your heart? That's it. If you know your heart's right, and you're right with Jesus, and you're doing all you can to serve him, that's all you've got to do. Because if you're open, the Holy Spirit will begin to show you what you need to do. will begin to lead you and guide you and direct you. Now, there's some obvious things, and I'm telling you all this. Listen to me. For my whole life, and I, I know I'm blessed at this, my whole life I've, I've gone to Sunday lunch with family. It's just something in our, my, my, we went to my mother's house, I mean, my grandmother's house on my mother's side, we went to her house every Sunday and ate lunch. Then after they passed, we went at my mother's house and ate lunch, and then now the kids come to my house and we eat lunch. We've done that all our life. It's a family thing. But it's also a thing that I sit there and I get to talk to my family and see what's going on. I get, to, I get to see where they are in life and what's taking place. Folks, listen to me. Your family is right around you. They love you. They're the easiest ones to minister to. We need to know that all of our family is right with Jesus. Okay? It's important. Right now, I believe that this is, this is not a time to be messing around with your relationship with Jesus. This is a time right now to give your heart to the Lord. So you've got to ask yourself the simple question. Are you right with God? If you know you're right with God, listen to me. <clears throat> right now this morning, as I'm talking to you, if I say those words, are you right with God, and something clicks on the inside of you like, you certainly, right now you're reminded of the person you haven't forgiven. See, I, I can't, I, I, man, I'm not the wizard here. I'm just the preacher. God's got the heart meter, and the Holy Ghost is the convictor. He's the one that goes, that little Holy Ghost pin and sticks you and you go, mm. right? 
Because see, if I try to do it, you're just going to say, stupid preacher, you're always meddling in affairs you shouldn't be in. But if the Holy Ghost does it, you're like, oh, I'm guilty. So get it right. Don't go around. Just get it right. Forgive them. Bless them. Get rid of it. Get healed. Go to freedom prayer. Do what you got to do in these days and times so that you know that you're right with God. So you can do just like I said the other day. When I knew I was standing in righteousness, I knew I was telling the truth. I knew everything. I was like, what do you want to know? Then you're blessed. It's a good place to be. It's a terrible place to be when you're trying to say you're being a make-believer and you're trying to say, yeah, everything's good. And in the back of your mind, you're saying, who are you kidding? Right? So we need, that's the most important thing we can do. If you're out there in, in the viewing audience today and you don't know that you're right with Jesus, you don't know right, that, that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Well, the Bible's really simple. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you, you, you ask him to come into your life and forgive you your sins, you're saved. It's not coming to the altar of the church right now or something like that that would make it. No, it's your heart, your faith, and belief in him. So right now, wherever you are out there, just pray a prayer and say, Jesus, come into my heart. I give you my life. I want to be saved. And he'll touch you right where you're at. If you're in here, matter of fact, everybody just stand up. Let me have my prayer team come down. If you're in here and you're not right with Jesus, you're not, you're not sure you'd go to heaven if you died, well, then we've got a prayer team up here. They'll pray with you. Just walk up to them and say, yeah, I want you to pray with me, and they'll take care of it. Or if you're here today and you just need prayer for anything, maybe you need to have somebody walk you through some forgiveness or something. Man, that's why we're here. Listen, they didn't, they're not getting paid to do this. All right? They don't get paid to do this. Maybe in heaven, but they don't get paid to come up here and do this. They're here for you. All right? Don't listen. The days of saying, well, I'm not, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed. Man, you better cut that bull out. Today's the day to fall on your face and get right with Jesus. Don't make no difference what you look like. Hello? So if you need prayer about anything, maybe you want to pray for somebody else. Maybe you want to pray for your family members. You know, you've got a a lost loved one that you've been praying for for years. Maybe you need some agreement. That's why they're here. All right. So you can come pray with them. We can minister to you and see the Spirit of God move. But I'm telling you, church, put a smile on your face because there's good days ahead. No matter what happens in two weeks, I'm telling you, put a smile on your face. Be happy and you know that you're right with God and there's going to be some good days. Amen? Promise you. So don't be afraid nor dismayed, church. Amen? So I want to pray for you. I want to bless you. And then we're here to pray for you. So, Father, right now, I just bless the congregation. I just declare right now, Lord, we are going to be a congregation that are full of faith. We are not going to fear. We are not going to be dismayed because, Lord, we're standing on your word. And your word is always going to be there. And you're faithful to your, your word. We thank you, Lord, for your steadfast love always abounding towards us, always coming out to us, Lord. You're not changing your covenants and your promises right now. They're still the same for us. And so, Lord, we praise you for it. We thank you for it. And, Lord, we set our agreement that we will be a mighty church advancing the kingdom of God on the face of this earth for you. Lord, that we will be the sheep of your pasture, and we will do your bidding, Lord God, and your will. And so, Lord, we thank you for it. Bless them now, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.